We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Bruce Pearl. Sean Shire. Sean Miller. I love the field of 16. I listen to you guys every morning. Are we still live? You can't wait on my radar. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors, the only way to keep up college basketball is through the field of 68. Welcome in to Hark the Pod, the field of 68's very own UNC basketball podcast. I am your host, Riley Davis, joined by my co-host, Jacob Karabatsos. JK, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm looking forward to embarking on this journey, UNC basketball with you. It's going to be interesting. Last year, very down. The year before that, very up. This year, will we be in the middle? Will we be back on the up? Will we be back on the down? I have zero idea. Yeah, it's been a a bit of a tough stretch since that 2019 season when Kobe White and the boys, Cam Johnson and Luke May were on the floor getting a one seed. I know obviously we had the the great six week stretch in 2022, but yeah, I'm hoping to see a little more consistency this year. And I think we got, I think the, our team has the horses to do it. So we'll see how it plays out. But, but like Jacob said, we are starting this journey today, podcast number one of Hark the Pod. And we're here to provide some perspective from guys who are both fans and alumni of the university, but we think we have some pretty good ball knowledge as well. Um, you know, hopefully working a little bit of humor, a little bit of fun too. So, but for this first podcast, before we get into talking to team, some wanted to do a little bit of uh, introductions just for the listeners out there to get to know us better. So JK, what, what would you like to share about yourself, man? Um, first off, another fun fact about me and Riley, not only are we UNC alum and fans, we are both proudly hailing from the 704. So <laughs> no 704 disrespect will be tolerated but um yeah he's a I'm a little bit younger than him he's not old I'm just really not old right. we're no Rob Doster and Jeff Goodman on the age spectrum that's for sure we're not up there with those guys but uh we're actually you know trying to give you guys some some handsome faces to look at as well you know it's it's got to be tough looking at them all the time but uh yeah so I went to UNC I graduated from UNC Chapel Hill in 2022 with a degree in journalism. Uh, obviously, I know it's cliche, Carolina family this, Carolina family that. It is a fact. Once you go to Chapel Hill, you fall in love. The Carolina family thing is real. You meet great people. 
Franklin Street, the game environments. It's just, it's really a great place. And I still love these sports teams with my whole heart. Would go to any game that I got tickets to. And I also was on uh, the UNCJ school's sports show while I was there. So covered Tar Heel Athletics on all stages and all levels while I was in college. So my Carolina blue blood runs deep. What about you, Riley? Yeah, like Jacob teased, I am a little bit older, not not class of 22. I'm class of 15. So uh, been a little bit since I was in Chapel Hill, still live in Durham, just actually about 15 minutes away from campus. So they're a good bit. Um, did not study journalism, wrote for the Daily Tar Heel for one semester. I always say they didn't want me, but I really just quit when I couldn't get on the sports desk. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, then been kind of working some on the side in this college hoops media space for really the last three or four years now. Um, I've done some stuff with the field of 68's newsletter, the field of 68 daily, right for heat check, cbb.com host a podcast with them as well. And also help out with, uh, I guess field of 68 adjacent sleepers media, do some podcasts with, with them too. But yeah, fun fact about me is I actually didn't grow up a Carolina fan. Um, but that's not because I was a Duke fan or anything. I just was sort of indifferent. Like like Jacob said, also from the 704 from Charlotte. But mom's from New York. Dad's from Texas. Uh, they went to school at a at an Ivy in New Jersey. Not shout, shout out to Princeton, but they didn't really have any they didn't really have any sports connections from that or anything. So I wasn't really raised necessarily a fan of any one college. Um, so yeah, but ended up going to Carolina and fell in love with it pretty instantly. And at the time I was actually a bigger UNC football fan. Football was my sport growing up and played that my whole life. But my then girlfriend, now wife, uh, was a huge Carolina basketball fan and sort of helped me make that, make that switch when we were students and the rest is history. So now we're here talking a little bit of hoops. Yeah. And it's funny how similar the backstories are. Cause you know, my dad's from Boston, hence if you're see if you're watching on video, you're seeing all my lovely Boston championship banners behind me. There's plenty of them. But um he went to South Carolina. So of course he raised me to like Boston sports and he raised me to like the Gamecocks. So up until I went to college, I was a Gamecock fan. And then being at UNC, my allegiance switched pretty quick. Now I don't hate <laughs> South Carolina or anything because I did grow up going to their games, but no, nah, it's if they're playing. There's no doubt in my mind we're we're rocking with the heels 100%. So it's going to be a great time, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, we can go ahead and get into this, the team a little bit. We're recording this on Wednesday. Live action is on, on this upcoming Friday where the fans will get their first look uh, at the 2023-2024 heels. And they'll probably do the different skills challenge and stuff. I don't know. We will not be in attendance. Maybe we'll watch the scrimmage, break it down next week. Got to tease that a little bit. But these first couple of weeks, we're just trying to preview the team, ask a couple of questions, um, talk through both what we anticipate being strengths and what we anticipate being weaknesses. Uh, and then we'll have a little bit of talk some, somewhere in between with that. But for this very first episode, uh, both Jacob and I wanted to hit on what we feel encouraged by or what we feel confident in with this UNC team. You know, Jacob said at the top, there are some questions uh, with this North Carolina squad, especially coming on the heels of last season with it being a big disappointment. I mean, I don't think we have to sugarcoat that. I know Armando Baker has been on the record multiple times in recent weeks saying that we were too Hollywood, saying that, you know, there the, he will admit that that last season was a major disappointment. And the team is, I think, somewhat rallying around it. But, yeah, let's 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 get into a little bit about what we're looking forward to what, with this team, what we think UNC will succeed at. Well, 
Number one, I know this is going to come off as as hateful, but it's not I wish him the best at Arizona. I truly do. But I'm most excited for the fact that we'll be able to run a lot more sets without Caleb Love in the offense. And, you know, it's just a simple fact. If you watch Carolina basketball, there was a lot of early early bad shots by Caleb or there was a whole lot of 15 seconds left on the shot clock. No no running of the offense. ISO bad shot. I do think that with him out of the mix, we brought in a bunch of really good shooters from the portal. You bring in an elite playmaker like Cadeau, and now you actually get a true two-man game with RJ and Caleb, which I think that was always the best two-man game, and Caleb was there, and when he was hot, it was great, but he's not there anymore. I do think that RJ is going to take a massive leap with being able to be that kind of primary guy running the PNR with Baycott, and I think it's going to be great for Baycott too, but I just think all around the fluidity, the ball movement, the sets are going to be much, much more efficient without Caleb Love in the lineup. I mean, I know that sounds hateful, but it's just how I feel. Yeah, I, I I see where you're coming from. I know I I like don't want to you know slander Caleb after he hit <laughs> one of the three biggest shots and one of the three or four biggest shots in UNC history. You know, like you said, wish him the best. But uh, going off of that, I am really excited to see what it looks like with R.J. Davis as the primary option in the backcourt, like kind of the undisputed go-to guy and. Uh, I think Cadeau will sort of maybe be the the one B to RJ's one A by the end of the season, but I'm not really expecting that to be how it starts um, this upcoming November. Like, there's been a lot of there was some buzz at the media day. I know Cadeau mentioned in an interview that the defensive side of things, especially his off ball assignments, has been the steepest learning curve so far. Uh, that combined with just other reports from both like Inside Carolina and the Athletic have suggested like there's a chance Cadeau might not be starting the season in, in the starting five. Um, that scares me a little bit because I think UNC wants, I, I think UNC needs another ball handler like that in the starting five. Uh, but hopefully by the end of the year, he'll he'll be a, there'll be a little more balanced there with, like I said, the one B to RJ's one A. But yeah, I'm really excited to see what what Davis looks like with the ball in his hands the majority of the time. I think with, looking at his shooting splits over the years, especially last year when he didn't have his thumb injury, I know there was like. Trevor Marks, who does some great work with Inside Carolina, tracked some of his numbers when he didn't have his thumb taped up. And I want to say he shot like 45% from three uh, in the games where he didn't have any tape on his shooting hand. So, yeah, that's that's one guy who I'm pretty confident in as well, um, who I believe is poised for a huge season. Maybe even if UNC is good enough, could get to like an All-American type season. Um, and I would even say that flows into the next thing that I feel pretty confident in. Jacob, I think that UNC is going to have one of the better offenses – in the ACC for sure, and probably the country. Like, I don't think scoring points is going to be an issue this year. Where are you at with that? No, I'm I'm 100% on board with that because you kind of just brought it up. RJ can run an offense, and he can run sets, but he's also relentless at attacking the basket on switches. When you have a guy like Cadeau, which even if he doesn't start – I think we're going to see a lot of them together on the court. And when you get a guy like that, that can be the primary facilitator and let RJ attack, 
that's going to create a whole different layer of mismatches. On top of that, I I think Harrison Ingram's going to be like really good in this offense. I mean, I know he wasn't incredible at Stanford, but Stanford was also a really bad basketball team. I think now he's in a situation where, you know, he can be the the fourth guy and it's going to work out. And they have loaded this roster with shooters. I mean, I genuinely think that everyone on the team isn't, you know, not everyone on the team's a an elite three-point shooter, but I think everyone on the team that's actually going to play with the exception of Armando could hit a wide open three. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to be beautiful because this is a this is a group and it is a little bit similar to the team that made the crazy run two years ago because they had a lot of different guys who could do it to you. It might be Manic, it might be Baycott, it might be Caleb, it might be RJ. They're kind of back to that. You can't really key in on somebody. You can try, but they have the ability to attack you with seven to eight different guys in so many different ways. I am with you 1,000%. I mean, they were – this team was just lost last year. They were like the 70th scoring offense in Division One basketball. It was not pretty. I think this year, I'm going to go ahead and put this steam out there. I genuinely think their floor as an offense is like top 25 in the entire country. I'm close to that too, man. I'm close to like <laughs> that's where I'm at. <laughs> close to the floor being top 25. I I love that you mentioned Harrison Ingram because that's another guy who I feel very confident. Well, I, yeah, I would say I feel very confident is gonna have a breakout year. Um, this honestly just comes from talking to him at media day last week because he carries himself like a superstar. This is yes. solely based on the vibes, like not nearly as much as from what I've watched of him. Um, I love that he has a unique skill set, like his his Stanford tape. Um, I know his percentages weren't great. Like he struggled some with efficiency, both behind and inside the arc. Like I, I think some of his his touch was called into question from like different scouts and whatnot, just because of his lower percentages around the rim and everything. Um, but I love how he can pass like we never we haven't had a point wing like that since Theo Pinson was there. And I think Pinson was a lot better of an athlete than Ingram is, but Ingram is a little more methodical and kind of probes the the probes defenses a little bit more. Um and I I mean I like Ingram's size better than Theo than Theo's. Like I think Ingram can slide down and play the four, maybe even play the five. That's something that I think Armando said that last week at the media day. Like we might see some lineups with Ingram at the five. Um which you know if you surround him with shooters opens the door up for a lot of fun but yeah ingram at media day just like carried himself like a superstar like this dude is so charismatic so easy to talk to was giving great answers was telling me that like hubert's planning to use him as a pick and roll ball handler that he's coming off of down screens uh that he's also setting the screen some that he's guarding one through five which like you know i will timber expectations there a little bit like in the offseason everybody can guard one through five um but yeah just he carried himself like someone who's ready to average 16 points five assists and seven boards not saying that'll happen but that's how he carried himself so yeah i'm like i'm pretty in on harrison ingram just especially as like a third option in this offense after baycott and rj yeah i think another thing about ingram too is the thing that this team lacked outside of everyone not named leaky black last year was defensive intensity i mean they were like the 200th ranked defense in college basketball which 
at a program like UNC is just unacceptable. And I think this year they they don't necessarily have a lot of elite one-on-one defenders, although I will say I do think Harrison Ingram is a very, very good one-on-one defender. And I think he does mirror Leaky a little bit in the sense that he's not quite the defender that Leaky was, but he's also a much better offensive player than Leaky was. So I think that's a really good job of filling that gap by Hubert. But I these guys this year – I think are actually going to compete. There was a lot of stuff going on last year where it's like, I don't care if you get beat. Like if someone just flat out cooks you, like if we play Duke and Tyrese Proctor goes for 30 because he's just cooking, that's fine, but just compete. And I think that's what this group is going to do. Now I do think Harrison Ingram and the fact that this guy that I'm about to talk about was at an absolutely abysmal program last year. I think he's being a little bit, a little bit, forgotten and that's Jalen Withers I mean I don't know how big his role is going to be but the only thing I need to know is that he is 6'9 and shot 42 percent from three last year he should play some minutes and I I just I think people are kind of writing him off because of how bad Louisville was but Jalen Withers was one of their few bright spots then you bring in Cormac and you bring in Paxson. It's like, dude, this team's going to have like five guys who can absolutely shoot the heck out of the ball, like relentlessly. Yeah, with Withers. So again, this is the positive show. We're talking about what we're encouraged by, what we're confident in about UNC this this week. I know we'll, to tease it a little bit, we'll touch on some of the things that concern us, some of the potential pitfalls of this Carolina team. Um, so I want to keep it positive here with Withers. He's just someone who I, I, I want to see it before I buy in, you know, it's easy to see highlight montages in the off season, especially I want to say it was in June or July when the UNC basketball account posted that clip of him catching a, just an insane alley-oop from Cormac on the break, you know, where it looks like he basically launched from the free throw line. Um, but I, it's, it's really tough to get past how bad Louisville next year. Like they were a sub 300 team on Kim Palm four wins. Of course, like I, I don't even know if that is a justice that they won, like to just say they're a four win team. Cause they were getting annihilated in conference games. I mean, dude, don't forget they lost to Lenore Ryan who went like 14 and 17 in D two last year in an exhibition. <laughs> like, hey, like that's really rough. North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, for real. Shout, hey, shout out Lenore Ryan. Good, good for them, <laughs> man. But like we, like that team was so bad. And I know Withers was playing out of position, but some of the, the defensive tape on him is a bit concerning. Um, just biting for pump fakes or like, he's definitely a, a good vertical athlete, I think. And that's something that this UNC team needs, but I want to see it a little bit more from him, especially on the defensive end. If he's going to be able to, you know, guard a couple positions on the perimeter or, or be able to, you know, even slide down to the the five in a small ball lineup or something. Cause that's what I think his best year at Louisville, he was playing primarily the five. Um, but yeah, I want to see that a little bit. And I think it'll be interesting to see like, what kind of role can the staff help him find? What role can they allocate for him? Cause I look at him and I think like, you know, Withers needs to be hitting corner threes, attacking closeouts, crashing the glass, and just generally making hustle plays and do that for about 15, 20 minutes a game. And that, in my opinion, will be a very good version of Jalen Withers. And just hopefully he can shoot close to that 40% clip. Yeah, I think that's all there is to it. Like if they can just get him to buy into just 
letting the game come to him through the offense and not trying to make superstar plays, I think he's going to be fine. Now, this is an interesting question because when you look at the roster, all right, I will say like this is a deep, deep UNC team. Like they have a lot of guys who could garner some serious minutes. Now, I ask you this. Who are who are like the feels bad guys? Like who are the the ones that are gonna get cut from the rotation? Not even necessarily because they're not playing good, but just because there's too many guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zayden High and James Aconquo. Like I really hope we can find some minutes for those dudes, especially if we're starting the year with Cadeau on the bench. Like Zayden High has kind of been someone I've been enamored with uh, just since watching him at. AZ compass or Arizona compass. I don't know what they prefer to say. Like, I love that. If you, if you look at like some of the freshmen that have struggled at UNC since Hubert's been the coach, um, like Jalen Washington couldn't really stay on the floor last year. Seth Trimble had his stretch in January and kind of hit a freshman wall. Uh, even before then, Dontrez styles and DeMarco Dunn couldn't really find minutes their freshman year when we relied on the iron five and everything. I, I'm pretty sure um, I don't want to say it was like a hundred percent certainty, but like, I'm like 98% certainty. None of those freshmen played at a prep school like AZ compass. So I think with like Zayden high, having that year of high level basketball um, and his team at compass, like they had guards who were chuckers and who were super ball dominant, but high still found a way to impact the game without the ball in his hands. Like he plays really freaking hard. He's good on the glass. He's got good defensive instincts. Um, I know there was that one like AAU showcase where he shot like 45% for three or something that like first earned him the offer from Hubert. And since then, I want to say he shot like 28% from three. So I don't know if he's necessarily like a stretch four. Um, But I I don't think it's like completely out of the realm of possibility. Well, I'll say this. I I think he is one of the guys on the team with the wider range uh, of outcomes for the season. I think there's a chance based on, you know, just even the buzz around the team, like both Harrison Ingram and Armando specifically mentioned him as someone who surprised them. And like Armando's exact quote was he's going to play a lot this year. Um, again, granted, give that the caveat that it's still preseason quotes. And a lot of times those don't end up, ha- those don't end up holding up, but I think there's a world where we see Zayden high start at the four at the beginning of the year. And there's also a world where we see him get like, I don't know, some serious burn against Charleston Southern in December. And maybe he scores like 15 and grabs like eight boards. And we're like, oh, this is the breakthrough. It's like, no way. It's just because we're playing a bad Big South team. And he, you know, gets <laughs> a minute. He gets spot minutes in conference play. Um, so, yeah, he's he's one guy in particular. And then with Aconquo, it's just uh, with him joining the team late. I I, I love Aconquo. Just hey, his. My British rap king. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> God almighty, man. I hate it. I want that man to like roll out there every game and just be chirping in like the most British slang ever. Like, <laughs> oh my God, dude, I need it. Like I, I need it injected into my veins. Like I need a Conquo to go out there and just absolutely smash every, every player on Duke with, with slang that they don't even understand. <laughs> like that's what I want. <laughs> Man, dude, I tell you, this dude is so – he was another guy at the media day who was just an incredible interview, and it's made better by his British accent. Like, the vibes were just incredible with James Aconquo, man. Like, I know you mentioned we talked to him about UK rap. He loved that I asked him about, like, if he put his teammates on any UK rappers yet and just sat there was, like, rattled off all these names. Um, But, yeah, I and I love his on-court skill set too, the fact that he's a really freaking good shot blocker. Uh, I did a little, a little write-up for him on Heat Check, but – 
um like his his block he had a seven percent block rate last year i don't get super into advanced metrics or anything that's not really my lane but i i know enough to know that like is the most by any tar heel since walker kessler was at unc his freshman year off the bench i think that's the thing for a conqua though where he has a niche that can carve him out key minutes because everyone else has to still find their niche where Mm -hmm. like his is simple. Huber can put him out there for 10 minutes to bang, play really good defense, and just go crazy. And, and that's his roles. Yeah. Like, like I, he's I want not Elliot care. feeding him lives, you know? Like, yeah. like, he's not going to – like, bro, if if a Conquoy plays 15 minutes a game and scores and averages four points, five rebounds, and a block, he'll be happy. Like, he yeah. doesn't care. That's what's I mean, he, nice about him. He literally told me like my role is to be a spark off the bench and I'm naturally athletic and I love blocking shots. That was the exact quote. Right? <laughs> like <what laughs> like who would ask for? Like who, who does... doesn't want that guy on his team? Like, bro, you can't find me, you know, 10 other dudes in college basketball who would be asked that question. And their response would be, I love blocking shots. <laughs> They'd be like, I want to go get a bucket. Mm-hmm. I want to go out there and, you know, hit a couple shots off the bench. I want to go out there and facilitate the offense. This man's sitting here talking about some, I want to go out there and throw shots into the fourth row. Like, <laughs> like that's right, special. Right. Yeah. I So like with him, with how he can maybe be forgotten, if you will, is just like if the staff prioritizes like developing Jalen Washington or something, which some of that might sort itself out. Like if Washington is not ready to co- contribute, he'll probably be back on the bench and a will get those minutes. And just with him, I don't think he joined the team till August. So, uh, probably kept playing catch up a little bit will be pretty fascinating to monitor but how about you is there anybody you hit on who could maybe get forgotten in the rotation or yeah like you're saying um, not they're playing bad but just because competition for minutes ah dude honestly we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to say Seth Trimble because the reason I feel bad for Seth is because last year when Caleb and RJ were not having the best performances and stuff was not going right, Hubert kind of refused to bench them. Yet Yet every time Seth was on the court, he wasn't always great, but he always played balls to the wall. Like, Mm -hmm. It was kind of like a Russell Westbrook thing. He wasn't always going to be great, efficient. He was going to turn the ball over some, but he was going to give you 100%. And I feel bad because, you know, 
he's just simply the th- he's the third best point guard on the team. I mean, there's just yeah. no other way to put it. Like he just is. And I think that this is a really big year for UNC in a lot of ways because of the double-edged sword that the transfer portal is. It's a big year because you want to win. And UNC will always have the the ability to go to go into the portal and get big names. They're they're UNC. They're going to be able to do that, and they did that this year. My concern is with the portal and how you know quickly guys ask out when they're not necessarily in the role they want. I'm looking at it like Cormac grad transfer, Paxson grad transfer, Armando is a grad student. He's in his last year, and it's like they're going to lose a lot. And my concern is what happens when you have a team this deep? Like, what if you piss Jalen Washington off? What if you piss Trimble off? What if you piss Zayden High off? And then all of a sudden, your whole entire future core is gone. So I think this is a huge year because I think Hubert really needs to let these guys know. And I think this will be big in non-conference. When you're playing bad teams, bro, let these dudes be so that they know they're going to be important next year. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm scared about losing everything, man. Like I'm scared. Yeah. I mean, I think we saw this year, like the fact that we only have 11 scholarship players, like two are just open. I think Carolina is going to have some high standards of like their vetting um, for like how the staff vets players who they deem as a good fit. Uh, and then at the same time, it's just like from an NI, like I don't think UNC struggling nil by any stretch i think when you look at the tj beisner hire the the kentucky nil guy sort of confirms that like we should be a force in that factor but just knowing like uh especially this late like all those dudes who grad transferred this past late summer are commanding these high price tags that i don't know if like unc might deem that as not like worthy a worthy allocation of funds or something i don't know like again i don't i'm not going to pretend to be have knowledge like the ins and outs of all that but yeah i think it's 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 not easy to build a roster in this era even with everybody so accessible in the portal and like sometimes i still think about and again we'll talk about this next week with some concerns but um of the guys we lost to the portal i would love to either have tyler nickel or Dontres styles back because i think yeah those dudes could be competing for the starting four spot right now um that's not a slight at them i know Georgetown staff is really high on Dontrez. I'm excited to see what he does. I'll always cheer for him as like a true North Carolina kid who committed to Carolina, like almost immediately after getting the offer, like Dontrez, Dontrez styles is always, you know, he's got USC in his blood. He'll always be a Tar Heel and nickel too. I mean, had his moments where he was really fun to cheer for last year. So, but yeah, those are kind of the two guys in my mind. I'm like, man, they really could be starters this year. If, and I get it. Like, I think from my understanding, UNC was aggressive in the portal with looking for guys at their positions. Um, but yeah, I'm with you, man. I would love for Seth to stick it out and eventually find a role, but it, getting minutes could be tough unless they're going to like run out, run out a lot of three guard lineups or something. And that's where he could have a niche as well as that as a guard stopper in his defense. Like he's, I think he's pretty much far and away the best perimeter defender on the team. But. Oh yeah. And yeah, that's what I hate, man. Like, it's it's just brutal and i'm not like i still think the roster is better off than it would have been had they kept things the same and then they lost caleb and added a couple other pieces i still think the roster is better off but i just hate it like person like i have to watch puff i think he's gonna have a huge year at penn state like then you watch don trez at georgetown and then you get nickel leaves and then you get done and it's like you just lost 
the entire core. <laughs> and now it's like, okay, I get it. You ride with RJ, you ride with Mondo, Washington, Trimble. Everyone else is new. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm just worried because what happens? I mean, you bring back Trimble, Washington, and Zayden. Let's say that. Then basically all the transfers leave unless Ingram comes back for another year. And you're just in a weird spot, man. But right. yeah, nonetheless, look, a lot to be positive about, a lot to be excited about. I'm I feel pretty firm on my stance that I think throughout the season this will be at worst like a top 20 team in the mm-hmm. nation and I think they do have a high ceiling they should easily be a top I'd say three team in the ACC I really think the only team that's clear cut better than them I'm not going to name them because we don't talk about them on this podcast but um yeah I I'm excited like obviously next week we'll touch on the negatives but there, there's a lot more sunshine than there is clouds right now. Let's say that. Yep, yep. Yeah, I think that's a great way to transition to our last segment of the day. Uh, we're going to close with four corners. This is something that we'll, we're hoping to close with every time we get on this show. And four corners, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit malleable. It's a bit fluid. It could be just be four takeaways we have, four, four good things, four bad things. We really don't know yet. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but for this first one, we wanted to do four buyer sells. Uh, and both Jacob and I came up with two apiece. So, JK, why don't you hit me with your first one? All right, I've got to put you on the spot. I'll answer it too if it makes you feel better. Buy or sell. B dot as the MC man, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's tough. I mean, look, it's a tough one. What do you it's think? It's gonna be a it's gonna be a sell for me. I I think it's a, a valiant idea to try to get the the Dean Dome crowd into it, but I I just don't think we need an MC at the games, man. I I I also yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, look. Listen, I can agree with you here. I'm selling because, first off, as a lifetime watcher of Wild and Out, I have nothing but love and admiration for Dot. He used to have me weak on that show. He's a hilarious dude, and, you know, he's got a good personality. I just don't think the Dean Dome is the right venue for the gig, and that's just, like, it takes away – the authenticity of the experience to me. That's a good way to put it. I, I like was struggling to find the words there, but I think that's a really like good when way to put I, it. like when he was there, which it was only my senior year. I was just like, dude, games just don't feel the same. It, it's you want Carolina basketball to be the show, and I understand mm. the thought behind it. It's get the kids involved, get the families involved, get the students involved, but. I'm sorry. It's just just not it for me, man. It's all love, it's all love for B Dot as a dude. I just don't think that the Dean Dome is the right spot for it. Yeah. And I do gotta I don't know if this will ever get back to B Dot. It probably won't. But uh my guy, you got like when the team is taking photos of the team, you don't need to be in it, man. <laughs> like there was a photo from one of like the camps they did this summer. It was like an open scrimmage, and it's the team at center court with like alumni behind them and B dots front and center. Where it's like 
my guy, you're not on the team, dude. Hey, like, it, it reminds me of the, <laughs> the videos when uh when Drake was warming up with Kentucky. Yes, but and you're like, but you're also but it's, he's also not an A-list celebrity like Drake. Like Drake can get away with that because he's Drake. <laughs> nah, bro. Like, oh, like, I Drake's mean, still I got would, clown forward, and he's Drake. Like, I we, would at like, least like to see some, like, at least give me some originality with it. Like, if you're gonna do that, like, bro, start a social media series where like you got these dudes playing wild and out segments or something yeah, like right, give, right, give me right. something funny Be man creative, like for sure it's we it's just ain't we it, don't man. need him it, trying to get people to swag surf all right no. i'm gonna get to i'm gonna get to my buy or sell so i think i know your answer we didn't tell each other these beforehand but yeah based on what you said buy or sell unc as a top 15 offense nationally i do i i'm not like all right i wouldn't buy i wouldn't spend all my money but I would certainly sprinkle because <laughs> obviously top 15 is like really, really elite, but I genuinely think they can be that good. I just, I'm not sure if people, I think people understand the scoring and the shooting we have. What I'm not sure of is if people understand how special Elliot Cadeau is as a playmaker. And I, if you don't know, you're going to find out. Yeah. So I'm definitely buying because like yeah. I said, the floor is 20 to me. I, I'll say the floor is like 30. Uh, I think there's a world again, we'll touch on this next week where maybe some of the transfers don't pan out or Cadeau doesn't put it together this year. It's funny. We talked about the offense this whole time. And then I know you, you maybe mentioned it a little bit, um, but I, I think we're going to see his push pace a little bit. And I don't think it's going to be back to the Roy Williams days where it's like, everything is go, go, go. And if they're not getting someone in transition, they're going into secondary. Like the team has talked a lot about bringing secondary break back. I hope we see some of those concepts. Um, I also would love to see less set plays from Hubert and more just like playing out of concepts. Like, cause I think that was sort of a pitfall pitfall last year was getting too bogged down by like different offensive sets or waiting for Hubert to be calling up a play from the sidelines instead of guys just playing on instinct. And hopefully when you have someone like Cadeau who in time should be like the floor leader, that'll enable you to do that a little bit more with Ingram as well. I mean, Ingram is like definitely a grab and go threat. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to buy it as well. It's funny. I brought this up just because on a heat check pod last week, we did an ACC preview. Um, and there's actually like the one Duke account that I enjoy <laughs> is uh Duke better. I, I know I probably shouldn't say that for our first one, but it's a guy named Russell who actually is doing stuff with field of 68 too. And we, we debated this on the heat check pod and he was like, he basically was like, UNC won't even be top three offense in the ACC. And I'm like, no, I I see the vision. We're going to be there nationally. So he brought up some good points. I'll give him that. Like he had a, he had a well thought out take, but yeah. So I'm, I'm in on a, on a top 15 offense, but. Yeah. And I, I agree with what you said too, before I get into mine, look, there, there was so many issues with the offense last year, too many sets. To the point that when you run a certain number of sets, guys lose the flow. They lose the flow of the game. They lose their pace. They lose their tempo. And they panic. And we saw a lot of panic, especially in the mid to late shot clock scenarios last year. And that's because when, you, when you're so reliant on play calls, the one possession that a play isn't called, you don't remember mm-hmm. how to freelance. And anyone who's ever hooped before knows that. Like, if 
if your point guard calls a play four straight times down the court and the fifth time down the court, you're sitting there on the wing waiting on a play to get called and nothing ever gets called. You don't even like you, you're just not thinking you're not in, you're not in the right mindset. That's what I want to see this year. Like have your sets, but only run sets if it is specifically geared towards late game situations, late clock situations, or getting certain people open looks. That's the only other than that, bro, bro, just take Davis, take Trimble, have everyone off ball in some sort of motion and let Mondo set picks. And that's basically the only type of freelance offense that you need. Like, yeah, don't get too caught up in it. So my buy or sell, this actually comes from Riley Davis's Twitter himself. I need to see if he is a believer in this in this take. Buy or sell. Paxson Wojcik is the best shooter on UNC's basketball team. <laughs> uh, I'm going to sell that and go Cormac. I think Cormac, I bet Cormac, well, I mean, there's a chance. I was going to say Cormac and RJ have better percentages than Wojcik. Wojcik might have a better percentage than both. Um especially RJ, but I think because RJ is going to have a higher volume. But as far as just like, I mean, RJ is just going to hit him off the bounce and off the catch. And I think you got to quantify that. Like, I can't imagine Paxson's going to be doing a whole lot of self-creation, whereas, uh, yeah, RJ is going to have the ball in his hands, late shot. Um, and Cormac, I think, too, can do a little bit off the bounce. And I think Cormac is also the better movement shooter as far as being able to, you know, curl off a screen, come off, come flying off a pin down and knock one down. I, I I suggest any UNC fan, if they haven't, to go rewatch Cormac's highlights against Alabama in the NCAA tournament two years ago. And uh, yeah, that'll excite you for the upcoming season. But how about you? Where are you at with Paxson? Um, I'm also kind of with you on the, I remember texting you when I saw it and I was like, is that really the word? Because I think Cormac Ryan's that guy too. I mean, I think the difference is Cormac shot 36.4% on five a game in the ACC. Paxson shot 38% in the Ivy League. And I'm not going to discredit 38%. You know, that's 38% is 38%. However, they're literally like the same player. They're both 6'5". They're both 195 pounds. So when I look at it, I'm like, I'm going to take the dude who's done it on a little bit more of a proven level. And look, I honestly hope that it's such a tough decision and we never really know the answer because (laughs) if it's that tough of a decision, then that means UNC is shooting the hell out of the ball and we'll never have to worry about it. But yeah, I'm I'm team Cormac, but I would also like to – mention that Cormac and Paxson sounds like an absolutely elite like surfing duo (laughs) I mean that is just that's some that's some stuff right there to me that it sounds that sounds more like very much a a private school duo from my private school days uh country oh yeah they uh like yeah, I, like they, uh, I like I said, you know, Ivy League product with my parents and everything, but uh, I'm with you on taking the ACC proven threat over the Ivies, man. The Ivies are better at books than they are basketball, so uh, let me let me take Cormac. But you know, la- last buy or sell for me, and we'll wrap it up here. Is buy or sell Elliot Cadeau is in the starting lineup before the non-con ends? I'm gonna buy it, honestly. I, I just think. Too. 
I just think the only reason he won't be in it at first is because RJ is has been there and is the guy, and I think it does take a little bit of a learning curve. I think it'll take four games, five games, and then once they actually see it and they got and they've got it figured out and we see how well those two work together, it's going to be impossible yeah. to not start them. I mean, as of right now, I don't really think – I think the best lineup without question has got to be – and you can chime in if you disagree, but it's got to be Cadeau, Davis, Cormac, Ingram, and Baycott. That, right. like, has to be the best five that they can run out there. So, right. I'm buying yeah, yeah. I, I think I want to buy too. Maybe I'll zag and, and sell and say like, I mean, the, the reason why I would buy is like we have a really tough non-conference schedule. There's a chance you take some L's there, especially playing UConn. I think we get UConn and Kentucky back to back. Yes. Like if you drop both of those, maybe you try to shake it up and throw Elliot in there at the one. Um, but yeah, I think I'll sell it and just say they're able to get enough out of Cormac, RJ, um, Ingram and Baycott, that, that whoever that fifth starter is in the front court, whether it's Jalen Washington, Zayden High, Jalen Withers, um, you know, they're able to get enough to like have a pretty good non con record. And maybe it takes through like a couple, maybe we sputter in a couple of conference games early or something. And that, that inspires Hubert, like, hey, this is going to be the best lineup, the one with the highest ceiling. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go with that. So I think they have to use those first four easy games as fillers because let me tell you, after those first four, this is a very fun stretch of games. Tennessee, Florida State, Yukon, Kentucky, Oklahoma, back to back to back to back. So you better have it figured out in non-con or it could get ugly. Yeah, true. Oklahoma's gonna be better than anticipated, too. Like I yeah, anyway, we can go ahead and wrap this up. We've already gone pretty long for this first one, but thanks again, Jacob. It was fun kicking this off. Looking forward to next week. Anything else you want to plug before we wrap this up? Listen, uh, Follow me on Twitter at Jacob Karabatsis. Uh, I'm going to spell that for you guys. You know how to spell Jacob, but my last name, good luck. K-A-R-A-B-A-T-S-O-S. If you search my name, you'll find me. There's only 238 people in the world with my last name, so we're chilling. Um, but, yeah, uh, I forgot to say any of this earlier, but on top of doing this show with Riley, if you follow the Field of 68 on social media, you see me quite frequently, probably three times a week. Uh, run a lot of social stuff. I also have the uh, torturous job of uh, producing the Goodman and Hummel podcast. So what a fun time. And yeah, I also have a show called Chapel Hill Thrill, uh, part of the Believe Podcast Network, where it's another, if you are a UNC fan, it's a straight up UNC pod. So it is it is meant for you. And yeah, um. That's really it. I thought it was a great, great first episode. It's only going to get juicier. So the only thing I can say to you guys is keep tuning back in and make sure you're following. Make sure you're subscribed to Field of 68 stuff and make sure you're keeping up with us because even if you aren't a Tar Heels fan, like it's just fun. It's just a fun time. And with that, we'll end our first episode of Heart of the Pod. We'll see you back next week.
This is Bruce Pearl. Sean Shire. Sean Miller. I love the Field of 16. I listen to you guys every morning. Are we still live? You can't work on my radar. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors, the only way to keep up college basketball is through the Field of 68.